Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great to be in my own home church. I think it worked out that I think I've Frank and I have been here probably for um, about 28 years, and we, we are really starting to get to, to like it. <laughs> so it's great to be in at Ivy Didsbury, and to think that we're in a place which has had worship that's gone on for over 100 years on this site. And, and um, it's just pretty, it's rich, isn't it, when you realise that? And we're, we're in a, I think it's part three of a series called All About Jesus. Uh, we at Ivy are all about Jesus, and the Bible is all about Jesus, and the Christian faith is all about Jesus, uh, and particularly looking at the significance of the name of Jesus and using the name of Jesus um, in our Christian experience. What does that mean? And you might think, well, that is a really obvious thing to the ch- for the church to be saying. It's all about Jesus. Well, we know that. As, as Christian believers, it's all about the name of Jesus. Well, we know that, really. Um, but to be honest, over the decades, over the centuries, since the early church, it hasn't always been about Jesus, sadly. You know, we've made it about other things. We, we've made it about religion. We've made it about rules and regulations. We've, we've made the things that we're not allowed to do We. Christians are sometimes known, sadly, more for what we don't believe than what we do believe. We've made it about a whole lot of things, and it hasn't always and isn't always been about Jesus. So I think it's really important. Um, I was in a meeting probably about 10 years or so ago when we were singing a a well-known chorus, it's all about you, Jesus, and the worship leader picked up his guitar and he started to sing, and by accident he said, it's all about me. I said, oh no, it's not, it's about Jesus. (laughs) Slip of the tongue. But the truth is we do sometimes make it about other things. So it's good to be reminded, isn't it, about the power in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to be sharing about four ways in which we can experience and pray using the name of Jesus uh, and, and experience the power of Jesus in four different ways. So there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody's awake at the back. That's brilliant. And in, in lots of different ways, there is different ways in which The New Testament tells us um, of the ways that we can apply the use of the phrase in the name of Jesus, the way the early church did. So there's salvation in Jesus' name. Um, We can see that in Acts chapter 4. There's no other name under which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. There's forgiveness in Jesus' name in Acts 10 and lots of other places. We see example of um, forgiveness being in the name of Jesus. We see believers are baptised in the name of Jesus. And there was a fantastic baptism service at Ivy Sharston a couple of weeks ago where four or so people, I think it was four people, got baptised. So that's still happening. That was happening in the early church. 
People are baptised in the name of Jesus. And there's healings and miracles performed in the name of Jesus. Acts 3, that's what we're going to be looking at today. I think people need to get a bit more excited about that because that's amazing when somebody gets healed, the impact that it has not only on them but all the people around them is worthy to praise Jesus for today. And then he also teaches them to pray in in his name. We pray in Jesus' name and then giving thanks to God for everything in his name. Ephesians chapter 5. Those are just a few examples of the way in which we are to use, or they used, and we are to use the name of Jesus. Um, But it's more than just the name um, that we're using. Let me just read to you this. I've been doing a little bit of study this week and getting really excited about, um, th- about this, this whole idea of the use of the name of Jesus. So the name of Jesus is um, really significant in the New Testament and it parallels the use of the name of God in the Old Testament. So The Old Testament, we're used to using the name of God, our Lord. And when it comes to the New Testament, we see a switch. We see that the early disciples are starting to use the name of Jesus. Now, you probably think, well, we know, um, we're we're used to that. But we've had the benefit of 2,000 years. They, They were very young Uh, new believers, as it were, who are just stepping out in faith and saying, we are using the name of Jesus. We're going to say this in the name of Jesus. And they're taking those first baby steps about using the name of Jesus and what the name of Jesus means. And it's more than a name. It, 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 It actually talks about not only his name, but the character and the person behind the name. So let me read this. Just as in the Old Testament where the name of God represents the person of God all that, and all that he is, so in the New Testament, the name represents all who Jesus is as Lord and Saviour. And then this, in Semitic thought, the name does not just identify or distinguish a person, It expresses the very nature of his being. Hence, the power of the person is present and available in the name of the person. Well, that is so amazing. That the power of Jesus is present in his name. It's it's a whole new um, revelation on what happens when we use the name of Jesus, doesn't it? So now we come to reading the passage for today, which is Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to, 50, uh, 1 to 13. And it's just brilliant to see um, this healing miracle and this healing miracle being done in the name of Jesus. So Luke, um, Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon or the ninth hour. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. 
Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. What a wonderful healing miracle. And this healing miracle, probably one of around about the third of the Gospels, is similar healing miracles to this. It's a big part of the Gospels, the healing miracles of Jesus. Um, This is um, one example of what Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, said in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And Luke himself was was a doctor, a physician, And Luke said in Acts 2, verse 43, when the day of Pentecost came, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So now we see Jesus has gone to be with the Father and he sent the same Holy Spirit upon his disciples and they are now filled with that same Holy Spirit and performing many signs and wonders in Jesus' name. And this is just one of them in Acts chapter 3. And I hope faith will start to rise within us about that same power of the Holy Spirit being in the church today and and giving us um, expectation and faith that God is doing wonders, that we need a move of the Spirit. And as that move of the Spirit comes, we're seeing signs and wonders, words, works and wonders. We're seeing signs that Jesus Christ is alive and well in his church and in his name we can experience this same power. Uh, I've got four aspects that I want to explore with us regarding power in Jesus' name. And the first one is power in prayer. So what we see here is the timing of this miracle is very significant. Um, They are, Peter and John, are on their way to the temple to pray. And um, they, they are people who are aware that the healing miracles of Jesus flow from a place of prayer. How do they know that? Because they saw that modelled in Jesus. Jesus would regularly withdraw from the crowd, from the pressing need around him, which dictates to us dictates to us usually the importance of us staying in that situation and keeping ourselves busy. But no, despite the pressing need around them, he would withdraw to um, a solitary place, it says, and would spend time with the Father. And then he said this remarkable thing. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. 
And how did he know what the father was doing from that place of intimacy, from that place of prayer, from that place of listening and seeking the father's faith? He is then able to come and perform miracles which the disciples saw with their very eyes. And now that same Holy Spirit is on them to do. So we need to ask God again for the power of prayer. The, 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 the timing is also significant because the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon, where they would go regularly to the temple courts to pray, is the same time that Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. A very recent memory for them. Jesus uh, on the cross saying, it is finished. I've completed my work. I've now opened the way and made it possible for you to do the things that I'm doing for you to see. The sick healed, the lame walk, the the blind see, um, the deaf, deaf hearing, even the dead raised. Because the same Holy Spirit that was poured out when Jesus cried, it is finished on the cross at the ninth hour is the same time Peter and John are walking to the temple. Exactly the same time and they knew it. And then, and then something, although they were probably not fully sure of what the Holy Spirit was going to do, we know it, but they didn't. It's pre the miracle happening for them. They knew something was stirring in the place of prayer. And I love the quote from Campbell Morgan, who um, says, they were not going at the time of sacrifice or the hour of sacrifice, but at the hour of prayer. Why were they not going at the hour of sacrifice? Because sacrifice is no longer needed because Jesus has already paid the sacrifice by his death on the cross, but prayer is still crucially important because what Jesus modelled to them was that the healings and the, and the salvations and the forgiveness of sins is all flowing through a relationship with Jesus which we tap into through prayer. And he teaches the disciples, he's taught the disciples to pray in his name. Look at it in John chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, says Jesus, so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, praying in the name of Jesus. Power to pray in the name of Jesus. And when we're praying in the name of Jesus, we are creating an opportunity for a miracle to happen. It's a miracle. Prayer is a miracle environment, just as worship is. Prayer is a place where we're hearing the heartbeat of God for those around us. When we pray and when we make prayer regular, part of when you make prayer regular, part of your everyday, part of your ordinary, extraordinary things can happen. Make prayer regular. They were on their way to pray. And then power to care. They all rhyme, by the way, because just because it might help us to remember it. And if I get lost in my notes, which I often do, I know what's coming next. Power to prayer and power to care. This man sitting at the gate, beautiful. And I love what the um, commentary says about the gate, the description of the gate, beautiful. It was made from the finest Corinthian brass. 
Um, so Scott says it was so beautiful that it excelled um, the gates that were covered with silver and gold. And this man has been lame from birth. He's begging for his livelihood. And that's the only opportunity he has to get any income to live. And it's probably, he's probably been doing this for about 40 years. He's a regular sight at the temple. Um, and next, just to note that Jews considered acts of righteousness to give to the poor. So here we see this man begging at the gate beautiful and he's positioned himself quite well, hasn't he? Because he's positioned himself where the Jews who believed it was righteous to give to the poor are on their way to a place of prayer and they can't really ignore this guy because he's right by the gate. So they're going to feel a bit guilty if they don't give him anything, right? And this man's expecting a big gift. I, I, Frank was telling me, I think he was at the supermarket the other day and the, there was a guy begging there and he'd come up with a really good strategy and his strategy was that he, would, he sat himself or stood nearby the trolleys when you know you have to put the pound in to go and get your shopping and then when you come back out you get your pound back. He was right next to there and it was like, you don't dare not give me that pound. You can't say, sorry, sorry, son, I've got no change at the moment. I've got, I've got nothing on me, otherwise I would love to give you something. He had to give him the pound, and then I think he went and got him a sandwich as well. But, you know, he's seated, he's seated in the right place, this beggar, and he's been there for 40 years, he's a regular sight. Um, but power to care, I'm just so excited that, Often when we just reach out to somebody in Jesus' name and just give them what we have and that act of kindness, that act of compassion um, is the minimum really of what God expects of us. But then that too becomes an opportunity for the power of God to step in. And, and I don't know whether you've ever noticed in Scripture, but compassion and caring is very much linked to healing miracles we read it in um, uh, in um, Matthew 20 verse 32 to 34 where Jesus heals two blind men Jesus stopped and asked them what do you want me to do for you Lord they answered we want our sight Jesus had compassion on them and then touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him now here's the disciples and they've got nothing in their pocket and they they're, they're seeing this man in need and they know it's the right thing to do to give him something but they've got nothing on their person and I just love it in verse 4 to 6 where they say look at us it's very, very difficult for you to ignore um, a beggar if you're looking at them. If you want to avoid them, don't look at them. You know, just, just pretend you're on your phone and just go walking past and pretend you haven't seen them, but you're not going to get eye, face eye to eye looks with a beggar if you don't want to do anything about that situation or if you want to avoid that situation. But here we have the opposite. 
look at us. As they say, look at us, do you think they knew that healing miracle was about to happen? Possibly not, possibly not. But they've got nothing in their pocket and then all of a sudden from out of Peter's mouth comes this. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It's a gift, it's a gift of faith. It's, it's come from that place of prayer. It's come from that place of compassion. It's come from that deep longing to do the things that Jesus did, to show the world that Jesus is the Messiah and he loves his creation and he loves every single one of them. And he's saying, I haven't got anything to give you. And this man's looking expectantly. His man may even have his cup stretched out, waiting for the large donation to arrive. And they haven't got any funds. A story is told of, um, possibly a true story, of a humble monk walking um, with a Roman Catholic cardinal at around about the Middle Ages, when the Roman Catholic Church was at its height of power, prestige and wealth. The cardinal pointed to the opulent surroundings and said to the monk, isn't it great we no longer have to say silver and gold I do not have? And the monk replied, but neither can you say in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And this is not a comment at all about the Catholic Church or any church in particular, but a comment about what it is when we come to put our trust in things other than the name of Jesus Christ and the source of his power. The silver and the gold and the trappings of faith and the confidence that we have in our own abilities and we don't really need you to fix this law because we've got this one covered. We've got the funding that's needed for this particular mission. We can do this. We've got this. But we haven't got the opportunity to say, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk which is far more valuable than any funds that we can give to a person. Although that is a wonderful thing and I rejoice in the fact that the Church of Jesus Christ today is more involved with acts of compassion than it probably has been at any time in church history, that we've got wonderful people like Gail and doing the cat work and we've got Engage and we've got the Message Trust and we've got different charities associated with this church, Home and Away, wonderful Kate and and the guys that went over with dignity to, to Africa and... They were rolling their sleeves up, serving the poor. Let's give her a round of applause and anyone over there. They're rolling their sleeves up and serving the poor. Power to care. But let me read this and it's, it's going to be hard for me to read, but this is a real challenge to me and a challenge to us all. It's not the position of the church to simply make life more bearable, but to release here on earth, the redemptive work of God in Christ. Wow. 
It's not the position. Yes, we make life more bearable. Matthew 25, if you give somebody a cup of water, if, you, if somebody is hungry and you feed them in my name, Jesus said, there you were doing it for me. But it's not the own sole purpose of the church to make life bearable and then leave that person trapped in uh, 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 the illness or in their mental state and not be able to say to them, in the name of Jesus Christ, someone I know can release you from this in the power of his name. And you can rise up and walk, as it were, whether that's lame, whether that's blind, whether that's mental health, whether that's something that somebody is struggling with, a relational turmoil, something at work. In the name of Jesus Christ, there's freedom for you. And that leads us to power to dare. Power to dare to go beyond the prayer, beyond the compassion and be there at the moment when that person sitting in front of you or stood in front of you to say, I know somebody and in his name, I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to offer you the opportunity to experience his power. And forgive me, Lord, I don't do it. I'm worried about what people will think about me. I'm worried about failing. I'm worried, has anybody else had this experience? If I pray for healing right now, I've raised the expectation. And then if something doesn't happen, it's worse. So I'm just in the, I'm just gonna keep myself in the power of care and the power of prayer because that's hard enough and I can do that. But then to dare and to say in the name of Jesus Christ to somebody, rise up and walk. When it's a, when it's a moment that the Holy Spirit has released a gift of faith as he did with the disciples that day, the power to dare, a gift of faith as in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 9, one of the, what the Corinthians calls, the letter to the Corinthian church calls the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A supernatural ability to trust God in a particular situation. Oh, I need it. A supernatural ability to trust God in a particular situation. The gift of faith. The gift of faith, and it talks about the gift of faith and the gift of healings by the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus said that we would have. And it's brilliant, this whole commentary now about the particular detail of this healing miracle. So the word translated feet here, it's the only time it's used in the Bible. It's the only time it's used in, in the New Testament. It's used by Luke and it occurs nowhere else and it discriminates between the different parts of the human heel. It's got detail. It's not a random, he's lame and he wa- he's walking now. We don't really know much about it. We don't know what his medical condition. It's the human heel, the ankle bone, again, used nowhere else apart from in this, in, this chap, in this healing miracle, and the word, the phrase leaping up describes the coming into socket, which was out of place. It's a careful medical description of what happened. The coming into socket. Is there any medics in here with us today? Give me a wave. We had a lot, well, they're all in the first service, yes, over here. Um, it's a particular medical description of what this healing miracle was. 
And do you know that healing still happens today? Do you know? Have you anybody ever heard a healing testimony, a healing miracle, say in the last few years? May even have been you. At the one event in Lincoln this summer, Anthony was preaching, Andy Hawthorne was preaching there, I preached there last summer. Stuart and Irene Bell, and there's a photograph of Stuart and Irene who lead the um, network of churches, alive churches, and they run a summer conference every year called The One Event, um, posted this on Twitter. The lady in the middle was healed at one event this year. Let me read, it, let me read the tweet to you. This lady had been 17 years in a wheelchair and was healed last night and was running, walking and running up and down the stairs this morning. God is great, hashtag, God is great, hashtag, one of them. But then we don't often get to hear the detail, do we? We think, oh, was it really a healing miracle? Is anybody cynical like me? Where's the evidence? Where is the evidence? Right, listen to this. A week later, the tweet says this. Remember this lady healed at one event? She has been to see her doctor and sent us this update. The doctor assessed me neurologically and everything documented for the last 17 years that was abnormal before is now perfectly normal. The doctor thought he had the wrong patient notes the GP has coded me on his computer as fully medically cured. I am no longer disabled. The doctor said this doesn't, he doesn't get to use this code very often. <laughs> Amazing. The doctor says he doesn't get to use the code very often. Why is that? There's a guy called John Wimber who was born in around 1934 I think and he was the leader of something called the vineyard movement and back in the day when we were a bit younger we used to go to the free trade hall and places in Manchester and he would put on these healing missions and teach the church about things like signs and wonders and teach the church about faith for healing and we would pray for the sick it was around about the 70s and 80s um, he said this he said, by something like this, he said, by praying more regularly for healing, you are increasing the odds of healing taking place. By praying more regularly. Because guess what? If we don't pray for healing, if we don't expect God to heal, if we don't believe that God can heal today, we're not going to see very many miracles that way. God could surprise us. But God is looking for a church who are filled with his spirit and have the same expectation that the healing miracles of Jesus Christ can happen today just as they did in the early church. The reason why it doesn't is manifold and there's lots of probably reasons why we don't see it very often, but the fault is not with God. The fault is with my lack of faith, my lacking of power to dare, my lack of prayer life and my lack of courage to step out in faith where God is at work. Amen. So power to dare, power to step out. And then the last one is power to share where, 
when Jesus does something crazy in your life, when Jesus sets you free, when Jesus um, gives you salvation and healing and emotional well-being or a job or all the wonderful things that Jesus does, you want to tell people about it. And wouldn't you just think that um, everybody would now be in awe and wonder and absolutely love the apostles for this healing miracle that they've done? And in some cases, there's a mixed audience here. There's a mixed reaction. There's thousands being added to the church, we read, just after this healing miracle because people are in awe and wonder of what Jesus has just done and that he's invested his power in the apostles who are just ordinary men. Um, But there is others and they want to lock them up. They want to silence them. The religious people want to get Peter and John and say, we rebuke you. We do not give you permission to go about healing people in Jesus' name. Why are you doing this? We we want to question the source of your power. And you read about that in Acts chapter 6. The religious leaders arrest Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. And then further on it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by um, by the means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man now stands before you. By him. So they're they're trying to silence them, but they have the power to share. And instead of being silenced, they pray, please give us more courage. Yeah, they're going to be persecuted for it. They're going to be locked up. Some of them are going to lose their lives. Stephen, a few chapters later, is, is, is killed for his faith, for speaking about Jesus. But here are them saying, give us more courage, more power to share. God, by his spirit, is at move in his church today, giving us power in prayer, care, daring, stepping out in faith in the gifts of the spirit. And then in... Um, in this opportunity to share. So I'm going to invite the band back up and I just want to finish by um, just really reminding us of what we're saying this morning. So we've received a power in the name of Jesus, only in his name. And we can, we can pray in his name, we can extend acts of kindness in his name, we can step out in faith in his name and then tell Everybody, actually, all the the glory goes to Jesus. And we need to pray in the name of Jesus because this is how the first followers of Jesus prayed, using that phrase. So we know that's the best way to pray. It's not a magic formula, though. It's not by, just because I say, in the name of Jesus, something is automatically going to happen. It's not a magical formula. It's putting our trust in the person who is able to heal or deliver or bring salvation or whatever that other person needs. And it doesn't guarantee the outcome of our prayer. And that's the difficult one, isn't it? It doesn't guarantee the outcome because only that is with God. But that should not stop us from being willing to pray. 
the more we pray, the more miracles we're going to see. So it doesn't guarantee the outcome, but when we invoke the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we invoke his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's healing and life everlasting. You can't go wrong if his presence turns up. You can't do anything without his presence. So we invoke the name of Jesus and his presence. And then we need to trust him to deal with the circumstances in his way. And that's another hard part. But you didn't, you didn't do what I asked you to do, Lord. No, I did it my way. Can you trust me? I'm going to do it my way. A lot of you are nodding so you've experienced this. And as John Wimber says, if we want to increase the odds, we need to pray more. So, in conclusion, pray with confidence and pray more knowing that you invoke his presence and his presence is going to make all the difference in that person's situation. And when you are on the receiving end of prayer, how many of us have ever been on the receiving end of prayer? Kind of, it's not always easy, is it? We are not putting our trust and confidence in the one who's praying for us or in their spiritual status. Otherwise, we would be in trouble and so would they. But we are putting our confidence that as that person prays in the name of Jesus, they are bringing his presence to us and we are then able to receive from Jesus himself. So we don't need to worry about the mediator, the one, because actually the mediator is Jesus. I'm a vessel. Make yourself available today to both pray, power in the name of Jesus to your neighbours, to your friends, to your colleagues, to the student campus, to those that you're with, and then receive prayer. Some of you... Can I just say that when you've been prayed for a lot of times, this lady's been in a wheelchair for 17 years. You can really struggle with, I'm not having any more prayer. I've had prayer. I've done that one. I've got the t-shirt. It isn't working. Don't pray for me anymore. Will you soften your heart today? And will you ask Jesus to come again and pray for us and pray for each other because his power in Jesus' name. So maybe if you would either want to stand or just put your hands in front of you, I'm going to ask, come Holy Spirit. It's a simple prayer that the Wimby movement taught the people to pray. They said, we've got a really complicated structure that we want to teach you. And they were all expecting this all big, long liturgy. And he came out with this, come Holy Spirit. And they're like, is that it? Is that it? Yes, that is it. Come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus power in his name ask for it ask for the gift of faith the gift of healings the gift of courage power to pray power to care power to dare come Holy Spirit come Jesus name I'm going to invite the the, uh, ministry team the prayer team to go over to the left just ready for your prayers but we don't just need the ministry team we need us all in the body of Christ to pray
Today I know there's power in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.